This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, December 8th, 2019. On this day in 1982, nuclear disarmament activist Norman D. Mayer brought Washington, D.C. to a standstill when he claimed to have a truck full of homemade explosives at the Washington Monument. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the standoff at the Washington Monument between Norman Mayer and the U.S. government over their nuclear policy. Let's go back to December 8, 1982, at the Washington Mall, just after noon. William Thomas gazed around, wild-eyed. His friend, Norman, stood on the steps of the Washington Monument. The police were erecting barricades to keep bystanders away and had closed the streets. Things had gotten out of hand. Normally, William spent Wednesday morning sitting in a tent across the street from the White House. He'd hold up his homemade signs with anti-nuke messaging, hoping someone anyone would realize that all life on Earth could be snuffed out with the push of a button. His best friend Norman Mayer called him the only other true anti-genocidalist. But Norman had taken their anti-nuke activism to a whole other level. Months ago in August, Mayer had asked William if he wanted to take out one of the nation's sacred icons. William had declined, and it seemed the matter was settled. But then, Norman had called him just the day before on December 7th. Over the phone, he'd blurted, I have decided what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. William didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't this. The police, the park service, and the media now swarmed the scene. Snipers perched on rooftops, training their sights on William's best friend. If Norman didn't call things off right now, he would die before the day was over. William pushed through the crowd. A few police officers tried to warn him that he was walking into danger, but he ignored them. Surely Norman had no real weapons. Even if he did, he'd never willingly hurt his closest friend. After he ascended the steps of the famous monument, William dropped his voice to a whisper, trying to achieve what intimacy he could with his companion. He begged Norman to abandon this wild scheme. Norman's only reply, when you go back down there, 
don't tell them any information. I'm either going to prison for a long time or I am going to die. With that, William returned to relative safety behind the police perimeter. A uniformed officer immediately pounced. Did Norman really have a bomb? Was anyone assisting him from within the monument? William weighed his answer. He knew that Norman didn't have any dynamite. William helped him unload his truck a few days before, and that truck held everything Norman owned. If he told the truth, maybe SWAT teams would storm the edifice and take Norman down without bloodshed. Maybe this entire mistake could conclude peacefully. Then again, maybe Norman was right to think this was the only way to effect change. Maybe if William played along, he and Norman could save the world from nuclear annihilation. So, with the best scared expression William could muster, he assured the police that Norman had many powerful accomplices, and they were on the verge of blowing up the Washington Monument. The police officer took him at his word, and when he disappeared into the crowd shortly thereafter, William smiled as he noticed reinforcements pouring into the mall. They were finally taking it seriously. Up next, the factors that led Norman Mayer to a tense 10-hour standoff with police. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On December 8th, 1982, a 66-year-old nuclear disarmament advocate named Norman Mayer falsely claimed that he planned to blow up the Washington Monument with 1,000 sticks of dynamite stashed in his truck. Police took his threats seriously, and a 10-hour standoff ensued. Norman's violent confrontation was just the latest outlandish incident in his eccentric life. He grew up in an orphanage where he frequently got into fights with other children. As an adult, he was prone to chase ill-considered get-rich-quick schemes, and he was conned frequently, thanks to his act-first, ask-later philosophy. In 1976, he tried to smuggle cannabis from Bangkok to the United States. However, his dealer tipped off authorities, and 60-year-old Norman was arrested for drug trafficking during a layover in Hong Kong. Norman's behavior in the courtroom was so bizarre, the judge sentenced him to five months in a psychiatric ward on top of his prison term. However, Norman was able to successfully appeal the ruling and was released to the United States in April of 1978. Soon after his return, Norman became convinced of a looming nuclear apocalypse. 
he surrounded himself with people who shared his paranoia and enabled his survivalist tendencies, like William Thomas. Norman bought a van in the mistaken belief that it could shield him from a nuclear blast, but his makeshift mobile fallout shelter wasn't enough. Norman was determined to stop the nuclear war before it started, even if that meant he had to play a game of chicken with the federal government itself. A little before 9.30 a.m., on December 8, 1982, 66-year-old Norman parked his truck in front of the Washington Monument. He announced that he had 1,000 sticks of dynamite inside the vehicle and was prepared to blow up the truck and the building, as well as nine hostages inside the monument. While bomb squads and officials gathered and evacuated nearby buildings, Norman's only friend, William Thomas, tried to talk him down. Later, William lied to the police and said Norman's bomb was real, and he had collaborators. As the standoff dragged on, Norman announced that he would only negotiate with a journalist who had no children or spouse. Steve Komarow of the Associated Press volunteered to serve as Norman's liaison. Ultimately, through Komarow, Norman agreed to release the hostages as a sign of good faith. In return, the police claimed they would let him leave peacefully. But this was a ploy. As Norman climbed into his van to drive away, multiple snipers opened fire. According to official statements, the sharpshooters had been instructed to aim for the truck's engine and tires. Police still weren't certain whether Norman really had a bomb, and they believed it was too risky to let an unstable terrorist drive through the streets of Washington, D.C. But it was 7.30 p.m., well after dark, and the target was moving. The snipers missed. Instead, two bullets struck Norman in the arm, one in the face, and the final fatal shot went through his head. Subsequent investigations revealed that Norman never had access to dynamite. He hadn't built a bomb, nor did he have any accomplices. He'd simply made an incredible bluff in an effort to advance his nuclear disarmament agenda. And although Norman didn't survive the day, others carried his advocacy forward. His best friend, William Thomas, spent the next 27 years camped out across the street from the White House, protesting nuclear bombs. He and two other homeless activists formed a trio of continuous protesters whose ongoing vigil made headlines over the decades. After William's death in 2009, signs were erected at his old protest site reading, War is not the answer, and don't nuke the planet. The standing signs have been dubbed the William Thomas Peace Memorial. Their calls for armistice and Norman Mayer's deadly standoff serve as mirror images of two men's quest to disarm the nation. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. 
I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.